Well, it's such a wonderful thing to be with you today, and I bring greetings to you on behalf of Pastor John and Anita, who uh, uh, got to get a little getaway, and we'll be back here in just a few days. But here, we're going to get in on some word. Ah, oh, yeah. You know, uh, Thursday morning, I was uh, driving uh, down Sagmore, just turning into the parking lot here, and I, I heard words inside of me. I heard these words. Don't be another spiritual statistic. Those are the words I heard. Don't be another spiritual statistic. I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of like the coin in the vending machine. You know, it just drops in there. That, that's what it felt like. And I, I knew right, right then that that was the uh, direction we need to go today. So I'm going to teach you today how not to be. Just another spiritual statistic. How not to be. You know, we, we don't need a lesson on how to do something. We need sometimes lessons how not to do certain things. And this is one thing we definitely don't want to do. We don't want to be another spiritual statistic. Now, now the way that term is used today, I think most of us get it, but I want to make it real clear. You know, the idea of... Uh, uh, Somebody who were sadly to die while uh, texting and driving. You know, uh, the, the, the term used today, don't be doing that or you'll end up being a statistic. Or somebody who's the, uh, 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 may, may die due to a drug overdose, the same terminology would be used. You don't want to be doing that kind of stuff, so you won't end up being a statistic. Well, in, in, in the same way that that term is used, we don't want to be just another spiritual statistic. And to be a spiritual statistic is really to be one who got started and at one time was strong in your spiritual walk. But then for whatever reason, you stopped walking the walk. And, uh, uh, you know, in, in my position, I've been blessed to, to have been able to get saved early in life. So, uh, so thank God I, I got saved 37 years ago. And I still look so young. Praise him. Hallelujah. Of course, I got saved young. Thank the Lord for that. But, uh, but, but anyhow, oh, oh, I was just thinking that as that dropped inside, you, you know, you, you get to taking a trip down memory lane and you think about all the people over the years that have come into church, hung out in church for a while, and then left church. Not everybody for the same reason. You know, some people have gone on to heaven. Praise God for that. I mean, the, we envy them. Because they're at where we're wanting to get to. Hallelujah. But, uh, you, you know, um, you, you think about other people. Some people may have transferred on to another church. You know, they're still serving God. They're still doing the right thing. Praise God. But, but you know what? So many people that I could not personally account for a good reason why they're not still in church. It's not that they've, you know... Just moved on, moved out of state and, you know, serving God somewhere else. They just stopped doing what they were doing. 
Now, now uh, to illustrate, let me ask you a question today. How many of you personally know somebody who once served the Lord who is not serving the Lord today? Raise your hand. There'd be a whole lot of hands in the house, which means that there's a whole lot of spiritual statistics out there. People who were running, who aren't running anymore. People who were doing it, who aren't doing it anymore. Let's not be one of them. Are you ready? This is how not to be a spiritual statistic. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39, reads as follows. It says, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Somebody say with me, I'm not drawn back. I'm believing. You can say, I'm not drawn back. I'm going forward. Hallelujah. You know, this is. This is a real good confession, especially knowing that the enemy is out to, to sidetrack us and distract us from the road that we ought to be walking on. And, and, and you know, just look yourself in the mirror several times a week with regularity and say, I ain't drawing back. I ain't going back. Going back? Going back to what? See, this is serious stuff. You see, if there were not an enemy that was trying to get you to get off track, then then we'd have it. We'd have it made. But but here's the thing. There is all kind of opposition to you going straight ahead down the road that God's called you to go down. So so therefore, I want to give you some 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 wisdom today on how you can never have to be a spiritual statistic. Just another one who came to church went to church for a while, served God for a while, and faded out. Somebody said, not me. me. Number one thing I want to teach you, be prepared. Be prepared. This is what I mean. Luke 14, 28 to 30, words of Jesus. He said, Uh, after that little message goes off, you'll be able to see it up on the screen. (laughs) Verse 28, Luke 14 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid down the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, but was not able to finish. I'll tell you what, I do not want it to be said of me that I began to build, but I wasn't able to finish. Come on. I, I, you know, I, it, it's, and, and the reason why is that this guy, Jesus said, did not count the cost. He did not figure out what it was going to cost him to build the building before he started building the building. And what I want to say to you today is that it does cost something to serve the Lord. Now, what it costs to serve the Lord is really very, very small in comparison to what it will cost you if you do not serve the Lord. Hey, can I flag somebody down today? Can I warn somebody about that? 
But is there a cost? Yes, there is. And, and so many times people get in and then, you know, they figure out, oh, there, there's an enemy who's trying to stop me from doing this. It's not I got saved. Before I got saved, everything was going fine. I got saved and all the hell busted loose in my life. I don't need this. And what they don't realize, yeah, you do need it. See, you weren't a threat before. The devil didn't have to mess with you before, but now you're saved and there's wanted posters of your face in the corridors of hell. Now there's a reason for him to go after you. But be prepared, because there's an enemy who's going to fight against you and try to get you to stop. I love the words of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, where uh, Peter said, Beloved, do not think it strange Concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. In other words, when it gets hot in the kitchen, don't be surprised. Be prepared for it because heat in the kitchen is coming your way if you're going to serve the Lord. The good thing is this, as the words of Isaiah chapter 43 said, you may pass through the fire, but you won't be burned. Hallelujah. You may get tanned, but you won't be burned. Come on. So be prepared. Be prepared in walking this walk that there are enemies that are going to try to mess with you for doing it. Don't think it's strange when it happens. Don't be shocked when it happens. Expect it. Know that it's part of the cost, but also know this, that you've got every bit of equipment, every bit of armor, and every weapon you need to kick some devil booty. Come on. Hallelujah. All right. Number two, be motivated. Someone say, be motivated. motivated. You know, um, I want to share this with you. This is out of uh, Matthew chapter 12. Start with verse 43. It says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes to dry places seeking rest and finds none. And when he... uh, Then he says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. And then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. Now, now, one of the key words that you see is that when when the, the house got swept, when the evil spirit returned, He found it empty. Key word, key word, key word. He found it empty. You're not supposed to be empty. You're supposed to be filled. And you have a big responsibility in the filling. You know, I love the words of Psalm 119, verse 11, where David said, uh, 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 the, the, the writer of the psalm said, Your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against God. Hallelujah. So, so the idea that I'm filling myself with something that is ultimately going to produce a positive end result. I'm, I'm hiding the word in my heart. I'm putting something inside. I'm filling myself with something so that I would not sin. Against the Lord, so I want it stray from Him. So somebody say, I'm not supposed to be empty. I'm supposed to be filled. 
And somebody needs to get motivated enough to start doing some filling. To realize that, that if we're going to do this and do this right and do this all the way to the finish line, you can't run your car on empty. And if you try it, I will wave at you as I drive by you on 195. So, Pastor Ray, that's not very nice. All right. Well, check this out. Right along the same line of being motivated. 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1, take a look at verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory, uh, uh, by glory and virtue, verse 4, by which uh, have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make uh, your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, that's a whole lot of reading, but I want to read that for a very specific reason. As we're talking about being motivated here, we saw back in verse 5 that it says, giving all diligence, add to your faith. That, that, that means that, that when you get into the kingdom of God, you're not just coasting. That, that there's, there, there's the next layer to go to, and then the next layer, and then the next layer. And, and, and so many times, you know, uh, I, I think it's easy to get into coast mentality, but, but, but let, let me just put it to you like this. You coast, you toast. You coast. You toast. Because, you know, there's, there's just no way that we can just coast along here. There is some, some steps that we need to take because, yeah, someone said, well, Jesus paid it all. Yeah, and, you know, there's a mentality that goes with that. Jesus paid it all, so I don't got to do nothing. But, but, but you know, uh, it's called response. You know, you can't do anything to save yourself. He's the one who did everything that was needed to save you. But, but you're, you're responding to his love. He's the one who took the initiative, but you're responding to it. And if you don't respond, then, then you are doing without the thing that he came to die so we can have. So, so yeah, you can say Jesus paid it all, and he did. But, but, but there, there's something on the receiver's end that, that, that needs to be done in order for the receiving to happen. I love the, the use of the word, giving all diligence. And then he says, add to your faith. And then verse 10, just in case you didn't get it the first time, he said, and be even more diligent. See, this is what the, the part of motivation to keep yourself from being just another spiritual statistic. 
because you're doing things that will help keep you on the road. What happens if you do these things? What happens if you show this diligence, add these things to your faith, and make your call and election sure like this says? Well, what the, the Bible says here in this passage, we just read that if you do these things, you won't be barren and unfruitful. And if you do these things, you will never stumble. That means you do these things, you won't end up a spiritual statistic. Motivated people are diligent. They're not satisfied with staying where they are, but with growing and progressing. Somebody say growing and progressing. Growing and progressing. Yeah, yeah. You know, not just satisfied uh, with the fire insurance policy, you know, the get out of hell free card. You know what I'm saying? And, and that, that, that's about all salvation is to you. But, you know, since salvation is not about just getting the card in the beginning, it is about enduring to the end. Hey, does, does anybody know that the Bible says that he that endures to the end shall be saved? It's more than just getting in. You get in and stay in until the finish line. Hallelujah. Number three, be disciplined. Be disciplined. Woohoo! Glory to God. I'm so excited about that. First Corinthians 9, 27. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. So think about this. To talk about not wanting to be a spiritual statistic, I do these things so I don't end up a statistic. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. The, the old King James uses the words, I keep my body under. Why do you got to keep your body under? And first of all, some of y'all think, yeah, I wanted to keep my body under this morning. Uh, but but uh, not, I'm not talking about under the covers, you know what I'm saying, all right? Not under the covers. But I'm talking about under where you're not allowing it to have the preeminence in your life. You're, you're allowing your, your saved, sanctified spirit to have say-so on what's going on and not your body to have say-so because your body's going to want stuff that <laughs> will get us all in trouble. Amen. All right. And, and you know, you got to do that with your flesh because your flesh is like the bad guy in the movie that just won't die, you know? I mean, he got 25 bullets in him, and you think the movie's over, and he's still reaching for his gun. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. He like the bad guy who just won't die. But that's why you bring him into subjection. Bring your body, your flesh, into subjection. And it's this kind of discipline that will keep you from becoming just another spiritual statistic. Number four, know your purpose. Know your purpose. We're in 1 Corinthians 9. Let's go ahead and look at verse 25, just a few verses before. It says, And everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. You see, there's got to be a certainty to what you're doing. A certain specific purpose for you doing what you're doing. A certain specific purpose for which you're fighting. So you're not just punching the air. Do you know your purpose? If you know your purpose, 
And I'm not just talking about your what, I'm also talking about your why. Hey, I'm talking about you realizing that God has placed you on planet Earth with a specific call and a specific something for you that is unique to you that, that, that nobody else can do. Yes, so someone else may get the job, you know, and, and you know, yeah, in one sense you say God doesn't have plan B's, he just got another plan A. But God would much rather you do your own job than have to pass it on to somebody else. God would have much rather see people do it right, walk the right road, do the right thing, than have to go ahead and pass it on to somebody else because somebody else didn't do what they were supposed to do. So, so, you know, know your purpose when you do, when you know why God made you. Well, when you know both generally speaking what the word says about it, but then specifically the specific thing that God's called you to do, then you've got a d- definitive thing that you're living for. You've got a definitive thing that, that will wake up in the morning and say hello to you and say good night to you when you lay your bed on the pillow because there's a reason for you being here. There's a reason for you doing what you're doing. So then, like Paul, when he got to the end of the road, he could say, I've Fought a good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. I finished the course. That means that there was a definite course that he was on. And when he got to the end of it, he knew he was at the end. If, if, if this was something that was uncertain and just kind of punching in the air, he'd get there. How would he know if he was there? If it wasn't something that was definitive. And so I'll tell you, God has a purpose for everybody. There's the general purpose that God's got for all of us, and we understand that. Know that and know the specific call, the specific giftings that God's placed in you. That's the only way that you know you did it when you get to the finish line. How do you know you're done? Because you knew what it was you were supposed to get done. Oh, yeah, are you with me? Hallelujah. You know, I love what the book of Acts says about... uh, 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 David, it's Acts 13, verse 36 in the Amplified Bible says, for David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep. And I'll tell you this, I don't want to fall asleep. And that's talking about the sleep of death. I don't want to fall asleep until I know that I have served the purpose of God in my generation. And I'm not looking to check out early. I'm not looking to get sidetracked. I am looking to do nothing less but to know that when I come to the end of my long life that I would have served the purpose of God in my generation and did the thing that I was put here to do. How about you? Because when, when you know your purpose, when you're, when you're fighting with certainty instead of uncertainty, when you're actually placing your punch on a definitive target rather than beating the air, then you know why you're getting up in the morning. You know why you're sticking with it. You know why you're going to go ahead and press on and not give up. Because you know why you're not giving up. Because you know what is at the end of the road when you get there. Hallelujah. Somebody say, know your purpose.
Number five, hold on tight. Somebody say, hold on tight. Hey, hey, what on earth would the Bible have to say about that? Well, get ready. You know, in the parable of the sower, and there's, you know what? There is so much you can learn from the parable of the sower. And the explanation that Jesus gives of that parable, it's huge. Jesus said, if you get this one, you got them all. So if there's one parable that, that, that I would absolutely recommend any saint to hang out on, that, that'd be the one right there. And in this parable of the sower, in Luke chapter 8, verse 13, where Jesus explains it, and, and uh, uh, the, the ones on the rock, he begins in verse 13, that's the, the ones where the seed was sown on the rock, are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Somebody say, get some roots. Get some roots. roots. You know, if you you don't have roots, that's going to happen to you. The the, the only way that you can hang out and endure and be fruitful in the kingdom of God is you got to have some roots. And one thing about roots, that that, that means you're not going to be, as they say in the restaurant business, the flash in the pan. Because uh, things that grow fast are things that we don't want in your yards. How many know weeds grow fast? How many of you want weeds in your yard? No, I'll tell you, one, one, I'll give you a secret. One of my least favorite things to do around the house is plucking those things. I'll tell you, the secret's out. You, 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 you're seeing into my world now, right? Uh, but, but, but you know, one, one thing about something taking root is that it happens under the dirt before it happens on top of the dirt. And sometimes you just got to be patient in the process and let the roots take. You, 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 you don't want to just be a fast sprouter. You want to, you know, some people, you know, uh, they, they, they show up, they blow up, and that's all you see of them, you know. Uh, you, you know, it, it's, that, it's that quick, here I am. How, how, how many times have I seen people in the church that just kind of popped in the door and became so visible so quick and then became so invisible so quick? Now, when I talk about people that, that became spiritual statistics, as I referred to earlier, I'm not talking about people that were just kind of half in the church. No, I'm talking about people that were involved. I'm talking about people that, that you would look at them and you would say, no way would there ever be a day where that person would not be serving the Lord. And I'll tell you, there, there's people, there's people that once lifted their hands in the sanctuary and gave glory to God that are doing stuff today that they never even thought they'd do again. This is serious stuff. Because we're going to see, and and there's a theme in the scripture that says uh, that that when somebody is into the kingdom of God and then gets tangled up in the old junk again, it says that the latter end of that person is worse than their beginning was. So this is serious business. It's a serious word. 
and one we need to heed to. So you got to grow some roots. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 5 says this. It says, Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a uh, testimony of those things which should be spoken afterward. But Christ is a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Somebody say, hold fast. Hold on tight. And until when? Until the end. Not until halfway. Not until you get tired. Not until somebody in the church annoys you. Oh, Lord. Because I guarantee you, somebody in the church is going to annoy you. You're going to know, yeah, there are people with the anointing and there are people with the annoying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. That wasn't planned. That just happened, you know. All right. Hebrews 3, we're still there. Look at verse 14. For we have become partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. To the end. To the end. Revelation 3. You know what? I don't have to preach much. All we got to do is read the Bible because this says it all. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Now think about this. Why would there be a situation where somebody else would get the crown for the job you were supposed to do? Mm -mm -mm. Someone say, hold fast. Someone say, hold on tight. Hold on to what you have. Hold on to the job that you have to do. Don't let it go. He who endures to the end shall be saved. Hallelujah. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked. Think about this. Over in uh, Philemon chapter 1 verse 24, it mentions uh, this guy named Demas. See that? Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke. And who are these guys? He said, my fellow laborers. Notice that name Demas. Now check out 2 Timothy 4. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked. What was it about the present world that Demas loved? I don't know. But can you use your imagination? What is it about the present world that you would love or that I would love that would try to sidetrack us and get us off the road that we're supposed to be traveling? See, here's the thing. There's stuff out there, and it's, it's intended to trip up people that are on the road. you you, you got to know this, that the enemy is not satisfied with having you in the kingdom. He definitely doesn't want you to be fruitful. And he said, well, let's see if we, if we can get him deceived enough to thinking that going to church is good enough, but not having to bear any fruit. 
or, or, or let, let, and then, then the next level is, you know what? Um, you'd rather do this on a Sunday morning than that, wouldn't you? And so you see that the enemy, he never goes for it all, all at once. It's, shall we say, he works incrementally. He works in increments. So, so he's not just going to go ahead and take the person who's on fire, you know, involved in the church, uh, uh, witnessing, wanting to put the fires of hell out with a squirt gun. You know, that, that person there, you know, uh, he's not just going to go ahead and, and say, you know what, you need to backslide. What he's going to do is he's going to go ahead and try to get you to go from this level down to this level and this level down to this level and this level down to this level. You know, just make incremental changes to go ahead and knock you off your game. But we ain't falling for his games. Hallelujah. And you know what? It's interesting how it's not that the stuff out there. But the problem is when that stuff enters in. Mark 4, 18 and 19. Once again, the parable of the sower. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. Next verse. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desires for other things entering in. Choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So it's not the fact that you're going to have to deal with those things. You will have to deal with those things. But the thing is, you can't let them enter in. Because if they enter in, they will hinder the fruitfulness of the word of God in your life. Hebrews chapter 2. How important this is. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. So the, the goal today is we don't want to be the drifter. We don't want to be the drifter. We want to be those who stay on track. Galatians 5. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Next verse. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. Verse 9. A little leaven. Leavens. The whole lump. So he said, you were running your race good. Who sidetracked you and got you off your course? And then he makes this statement. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. That means that, that, that you know what? It, it's not always the, the, the big stuff that can trip somebody up. It's a little bit of something that's allowed to enter in and that's allowed to grow in your garden that can mess you up. Beware of little things. Song of Solomon says that the little foxes spoil the vine. Beware of little things. That's why when the Bible says neither give place to the devil, that means you don't give him neither big place nor a little place. Because you cannot underestimate what giving up a little ground does. Giving up a little ground does a whole lot. Because it's a little today, and then it's a little bit more tomorrow, and a little bit more tomorrow. And, and then when you put little, 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 all together, you got big. That's why you don't give up little. You say, I'm not giving up anything. There's a line and I'm not crossing it. Come on, somebody. Let's skip Galatians 5. Go to 2 Peter 2. 2 Peter 2. Verse 20. 
For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get tangled up again after the grace and mercy of God has gotten you untangled. Hallelujah. As we continue here, let me say this, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. What would deceive you? Well, let's look at this parable of Jesus over in Matthew 7. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Next verse. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Now we'll keep on going. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. All the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Let me say this to you today. My, my, my. When I say don't be deceived, it is one of the biggest deceptions to think that hearing alone is good enough without doing. The deception is to think that hearing alone is good enough without doing. And part of the deception is hearing makes you feel good. If you come to church and hear a good word, yeah, oh yeah, that's a good preaching. That's a good teaching, yeah. And it makes you feel good when you hear it. Because God's word is good. But the danger is thinking that that's enough because that's not enough. Why? Because James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only because if you do that, you are deceiving yourselves. That's one of the most scary things because you're the deceived and the deceiver all wrapped up in one person. Let me say this to you. Besides being aware of uh, being deceived, also be aware of how disappointment can affect you as well. Okay, can I talk to you? My God, somebody needs to hear what I'm about to say. Another area in, in which we need to pay attention to not end up being just another spiritual statistic is to beware of disappointment, which also would lead into being aware of offense. Because either disappointment or offense, both of them can be the result of when things don't work out the way that you thought they would. Some people get mad at God. I, I pushed every button that I knew I was supposed to push. I pulled every lever that I knew I was supposed to pull. I did everything that I knew to do, and it didn't work the, th the way I thought it was supposed to work. And I'm mad. 
You know what? Even in the ministry of John the Baptist, think about it. John the Baptist, as you read John chapter 1, you don't see any doubt in his mind about whether Jesus was the Son of God or not. You actually hear John's witness that, that the one who sent him to baptize with water told him that the one upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining, that is the Son of God. That is the Lamb of God. And he witnessed that right there in the Jordan River. Why is it that years later when John is in prison, uh, well, uh, it may be years, it may be months, I'm not sure the Bible really doesn't specify, but later down the road, he's in prison, and he sends some of his disciples to Jesus to ask the question, are you the one that should come or should we look for another? It's interesting. How to get from I saw and I bore witness that this is the Son of God. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. How to get from there to, are you the one that, that was supposed to come or should we look for another? And in Jesus' response to him, to his disciples, and he said, go bring this message back to John. He said, you, you can tell him what's happening. The, the dead are being raised. The sick are being healed. The poor have the gospel preached to them. And then he said, and blessed are they who are not offended in me. And, and, and so you, you have to read between the lines because the Bible does not spell it out. But is there possibly some inclination there that even the great prophet John the Baptist got offended? that somehow there was some disappointment about the way that the story ended. When he sees Jesus raised to prominence, when he sees Jesus out preaching to multitudes everywhere, and here he is, after setting things up and preparing the way, having to sit in a jail cell. You know, uh, we, we have to read between the lines and I'm not looking to, to put something in the word that's not there. But it gives us enough to, to understand this, that there had to be something that happened in John that took him from the place of, I know this is the son of God. There's no doubt about it to the point where he would have to ask that question. Should I be looking for somebody else or are you it? It's amazing how many times people in their own spiritual walk have gone from that place, gone to that place that I, I know this is right. I know I'm on the right road. I know Jesus is the way. And then you find them a little bit down the road and say, well, I'm not quite as sure today as I was then that I'm on the right road. And I'll tell you, I'm talking to some adults and I'm talking to some teenagers right now because that's one of the biggest things that the devil uses on young people, especially when they get exposed to crazy liberal college professors. Not everyone is in that category, but you know some are. Now, now I'm, I'm going to say this, that, that it is so vital for you to absolutely know who you believe, what you believe, why you believe it, so that if the devil himself tried to pry your Bible out your fingers, he wouldn't be able to do it. We need to be firm in our faith. 
We need to be firm in what we believe. We need to not be offended, not be disappointed. Even if something doesn't work out the way you thought it would work out. Even if something didn't happen the way you thought it would happen. Even in church, it's not always going to happen the way you thought it would happen. I was really hoping that they take my idea and run with it. But they didn't take my idea and ran with it. They took someone else's idea and ran with it, not mine. I really wanted to get to do that. Somebody else got to do that. It's amazing the things that the enemy can use to bring somebody from the point of I know that I know that I know to the point where they said, I'm not sure I really know anymore. My, 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 my. You know, John 6, <laughs> Jesus preached something that got people rattled. They said, you know what? What's up with that? What's up with this eat my flesh and drink my blood stuff? Said they didn't walk with him anymore. Jesus said over in Luke 9, 62, that if you put your hand to the plow, and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Let's check this out. Go to Malachi 3. And I just see the times. So I said, oh, Lord, I need to wrap up. Malachi 3. Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? That's verse 13. Verse 14. You have said it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? Verse 15. So now we call the proud blessed. For those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. Or in other words, they get away with it. And you know what? Think about what has been spoken here. What good is it that we're keeping the ordinance of the Lord? Some people get disappointed because they don't see the results as fast as they want to see them. Yeah, I've been tithing for six months. Where's my windows of heaven? I've been giving for a year. Where's all the harvest I'm supposed to get? Well, I've been living to God and things have gotten real tough for me. I got fired from my job and the guys that were stealing from the boss got promoted. So there's lots of things that can discourage you that can sidetrack you. There's, there's that, that sense of disappointment. And some people just flat get offended with God. And if they don't get offended with God, that's why ministers sometimes have a tough job because, you know, if they're not mad at God, guess who's next in line? Take it out on the preacher. Lord, have mercy. But beware of disappointment and offense because that will potentially knock you out of your race. Get you to the point where you question the thing that you once said, I know that I know that I know. Don't let that be the case. Let's go ahead and skip over to this one here and we'll close with this. Be confident in him and not you. Be confident in him, not you. 
You want to know how to stay steady, how to finish this race, how not to be a spiritual statistic. Be confident in him and not you. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Philippians 1, 6. No, that's Philemon. We want Philippians 1, 6. This is being confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey. See, see, I saved the best one for last, you know. I'm going to make you squirm at first, but this is the best news of the day right here. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Hallelujah. He, he's looking to preserve you and keep you. And not just for a little while. He's looking to preserve you and keep you all the way to the end of the race. All you got to do is cooperate with him. Because he's into keeping you. He's into preserving you. Hallelujah. Look at Jude 1. Love this. Now to him who is able... To keep you from stumbling. Remember we read that verse earlier. If you do these things you'll never stumble. <laughs> now to him who is able. To keep you from stumbling. And to present you faultless. Before the presence of his glory. With exceeding joy. Let's do one last verse. Galatians 5. Stand fast. Therefore. In the liberty. By which Christ. Has made us free. I want to stop right there because that's the point I want to make. You're not standing fast in this thing because of you, because of anything you've done, because of anything that you can do, because of any way you think you're gifted. The reason you can stand fast in this is not because of what you did. You can stand fast in this race and in this liberty because of the fact that Christ did something for you. He made you free. And if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed, fully equipped to hang in this thing for the long haul, to not be another spiritual statistic, but one who gets to the end, finishes the race, and hears the words, well done. Hallelujah. 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 Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we honor you. We give you glory and praise. Thank you for the, the word of God that's been spoken to us today. And we thank you, Lord, for, for moving in the hearts of people.